Chapter 15 of The Romance of Modern Electricity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson. Chapter 15 Wireless Telephony. The Telephone Receiver in Wireless Telegraphy. Early Attempts at Transmitting Speech. Speaking Along a Beam of Light. Speech transmitted between two parallel wires. The latest methods. When considering the different methods of picking up the signals in wireless telegraphy, we saw that one convenient arrangement included a telephone receiver in which the operator heard a series of clicks representing the Morse code. This arrangement led to some confusion in the early days of wireless telegraphy. Newspaper reporters and others seeing these experiments believed that speech was being transmitted. At that time, most of us had no great faith in wireless telephony coming into practical use over any long distance. It was one thing to send signals by means of sudden disturbances in the ether, such as those waves produced by a torrent of sparks, but it required something better than that to transmit the more delicate alternating current used in telephony. Indeed, if we had to depend entirely upon the spark method of transmission, we could not have produced an efficient wireless telephone. With the introduction of continuous trains of ether waves, however, it became possible to transmit articulate speech. It is true that a wireless telephone existed before the days of wireless telegraphy, but as this consisted practically in speaking along a beam of light, it was evident that the distance over which this might be used must be very limited. It seemed as though this method could remain only an interesting scientific experiment. This principle has been adapted for short ranges, such as between ferry boats and the shore. The general principle of the foregoing may be of some interest. The telephone had not been invented for any length of time when it was discovered that speech might be transmitted along a beam of light. The beam of light, either sunlight or electric arc light, is focused onto a little flexible mirror made of silvered glass or mica. The speaker's voice causes this little mirror to vibrate, just as though it were the disc or diaphragm in a telephone transmitter. The vibrations of the mirror disturb the beam of light which it reflects towards the distant receiver where it falls upon a selenium cell. This cell possesses the strange property of altering its electrical resistance in proportion to the amount of light falling upon it. We may picture the selenium cell as being somewhat analogous to an ordinary bell push, but infinitely more sensitive. You may press a bell push and allow the current to pass, or you may let go the push and stop the current, but the selenium cell allows different amounts of current to pass according to the amount of light falling upon it. If only a little light falls upon the selenium, then only a little current is allowed to pass. An increase in light means a corresponding increase in current. By this means, the varying beam of light controls the current in the telephone receiver, so that the vibrations of the little mirror at the speaking station are imitated by the diaphragm in the telephone receiver. In this way, the original speech is reproduced at a distance. It is interesting to note that in the experiments made with this light telephony, 
it was found possible to speak from both stations simultaneously, the two beams of light not interfering with each other. Speech has been transmitted over a distance of about eight miles by this method. There is one point which might appear to be a difficulty. How is the sending station to focus the beam of light onto the receiver of a moving ferry boat? This difficulty is not a real one, for the beam of light will have spread out to a breadth of several hundred yards if the distance be great. The action is all the more remarkable, as only a very small portion of the beam of light will reach the receiver. It is quite obvious, however, that the maximum distance over which this system may be used cannot exceed a few miles. In the chapter on wireless telegraphy, I have referred to the early system used by Sir William Priest. It will be remembered that the principle was one of induction between two long parallel wires, one at the sending station and the other at the receiving station. It was found possible not only to send signals, but to transmit actual speech over a distance of several miles. The electric current sent out by the telephone transmitter is a to-and-fro, or alternating current, so that every variation of current in the long transmitting wire induces a corresponding current in the distant parallel wire at the receiving station. The one disadvantage is that the length of the parallel wires has to be increased as the distance between the stations is increased. An installation upon this plan has been at work for many years between the lighthouse on an island called the Scaries and the mainland on the coast of Anglesey. The distance is a little short of three miles, and under ordinary circumstances one might think it best to lay a submarine cable. But the sea bottom at this point is so rough and the tidal current so strong that a cable would be quite useless. The island is a small one, but it was found that a short wire of less than half a mile on the island, with a parallel wire of about three and a half miles on the mainland, was sufficient to give good induction between the stations. The convenience of being able to carry on an ordinary conversation between the lighthouse and the mainland will be appreciated. While the ordinary spark discharge was useless for transmitting speech, it was found that by more rapid sparking arrangements, much better results could be obtained. But the great strides which have been made in wireless telephony are not based upon a spark discharge. A continuous emission of ether waves is produced by rapid electric oscillations in an aerial wire, and this emission is controlled by the speaker's voice. What happens is this. We have two persons separated from each other by many miles and without any connecting wires between the two places. One of the men speaks into a telephone transmitter, the connections from which end in an upright aerial wire at his own station. At the distant station, the second man listens at a telephone receiver connected to a similar and local aerial wire. The speech is transmitted between these two aerials in the form of ether waves. 
the diaphragm in the telephone transmitter sets up a to and fro current in the ordinary telephone circuit, and this current is made to act upon another neighboring circuit in which a high-frequency current is continuously surging. The variations in the telephone current cause similar variations in this powerful current. These electric oscillations are conducted to the aerial wire, and in this way, the surrounding ether is disturbed. Those ether waves travel out towards the receiving station and are intercepted by the aerial wire at that distant place. There, they affect a suitable wave detector, such as an electrolytic cell. By this means, a local battery current is controlled, and this actuates an ordinary telephone receiver. In this way, the original speech is reproduced. Some wireless telephone companies have been guaranteeing distances up to 100 miles for several years back. It is now possible to speak over a distance of about 200 miles. As proof of the importance of wireless telephony, I may state that the United States Navy have equipped a number of their battleships with installations for speaking up to distances of 25 miles. For greater distances, more power would be required. The problem of tuning to prevent interference is of even greater importance in wireless telephony than in telegraphy. End of chapter 15